We want to make sure that athletes and everyone has genuine scientific and medical information about these substances and the risks that they present. Some of those changes that we're seeing are the emergence of SARMs in use by athletes who are cheating or the general population. We as the science team get involved in everything that happens in the organisation. So in my opinion, science is highly rated. As science is improving, it's also raising a lot, a lot more questions about anti-doping. And so it's, it's really interesting from that perspective as well. It's better to be informed, but if you're unsure of the answer, ask and never assume a supplement's safe to take or that medication is appropriate. I'm always available as a medical advisor for advice for athletes as well as other medical practitioners. What we do is promote that fairness in sport, but also the health side of things. We're not just seen as the, the sort of injury keepers, gatekeepers, we're, we're really looking after these individuals and these people as a whole. Welcome to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Our mission is to protect the integrity of sport and the health and welfare of those who participate in Australian sport. Hello and welcome to Onside, the official podcast for Sport Integrity Australia. I'm Tim Gable. Our podcast explores the integrity issues in sport, the challenges sports face and highlights the achievements within the industry. National Science Week kicks off today and in this episode we'll be talking to some of the science and medical team at Sport Integrity Australia, including Dr Naomi Spears, the Chief Science Officer, Rima Chakrabarti, Science Officer and Medical Advisor Dr Laura Lananek. We'd like to congratulate Australia and its athletes for representing Australia so well at the Commonwealth Games as well as a big thank you to the staff behind the scenes that made it all possible, including some of our very own Sport Integrity Australia personnel. Australia topped the medal tally with 178 medals, including 67 gold, 57 silver and 54 bronze. What a tremendous effort. Diamonds winning our 1,000th gold medal. In good news for sports, 66 have now adopted the National Integrity Framework across Australia, with another 20 currently working towards adoption. Framework is a streamlined suite of policies that sets out the broad expectations for the conduct of all participants in sport. These expectations relate to safeguarding children, member protection, competition manipulation and sports wagering, as well as the misuse of drugs and medicines. The framework also includes the complaints, disputes and discipline policy. The policy outlines the procedures for managing, reporting, assessing and determining potential breaches of the integrity policies contained in the framework. Under this policy, Sport Integrity Australia will undertake the independent complaint assessment and review process. For more information on the National Integrity Framework, you can visit our website at www.sportintegrity.gov.au. In other news, Sport Integrity Australia will co-host the Global Education Conference in Sydney with the World Anti-Doping Agency from the 20th of September. This year's conference will be an opportunity for clean sport education practitioners as well as other important stakeholders to come together to expand their knowledge, discuss challenges and opportunities, share best practices and inspire each other to create quality education programs for athletes and others worldwide. Our first guest is Dr Naomi Spears, the Chief Science Officer at Sport Integrity Australia. And Naomi is highly respected globally. She's had a wide and varied career, which we'll discuss shortly. Naomi, welcome to Onside. 
Uh, firstly, are you still excited by your role here at, at Sport Integrity Australia? I certainly am. Anti-doping science is a really interesting field because things are always changing. Can you tell us about some of those changes? Yeah, some of those changes that we're seeing are the emergence of SARMs um, in use by athletes who are cheating or um, the general population. So SARMs stands for Selective Androgen Receptor Modulators, and they're a group of substances that act like a steroid in the body but aren't actually a steroid. And we're seeing um, more athletes using them, unfortunately, and also the general community. I guess education is, is part of it, isn't it? But also yeah, just staying on top of you know, the evolving nature of, of some of the things that are coming through with regard to substances and, and what athletes are trying to do illegally. Yeah, education is key. Um, unfortunately, people who sell these substances don't tell athletes in the community the truth. They make out like they're genuine products with no side effects. They're only good for you. So we want to make sure that athletes and everyone has genuine scientific and medical information about these substances and the risks that they present. What, what do you regard as the biggest challenge in your role? Just staying on top of you know, things that might be sort of coming from left field? Yeah, I think the challenge is keeping on top of everything that's changing. So we talked about different substances um, that people might be using and keeping aware of them and making sure that athletes are aware of them, but also changing technology um, and understanding that and thinking about how can we apply that to our work. Do you think that science to a certain degree is, is underrated? You know, people sort of see it there. It's very reliable, the science, but it's underrated to a certain degree in the whole process? I would say an anti-doping science is really highly rated. Um, the the anti-doping laboratories like have a really significant role in anti-doping um, and in the, the testing and the high quality and difficult analysis that they do. Um, and we as the science team get involved in everything that happens in the organisation. So we're talking about education, um, we're talking with our test planners and helping them understand science, with intel and investigations and legal and the comms team, like all through it. So in my yeah. opinion, science is highly rated. Yes. So, so just tell us, I guess, what excites you most about the job? Is it the fact that you're working in a smaller agency than, than say, a large um, you know, sort of cumbersome agency, but you're working in a, in a smaller group? Uh, I love working in a small agency. I love that I can know everyone in the agency and be able to talk with them on a first name basis. I also love that the science team get to be involved in so many different things. Often as a scientist, you're in a really narrow lane and, and you're an expert on one particular thing and that's your life and that's great. Um, but that's not me. <laughs> I love doing a bit of work with the education team and then a bit of work with the legal team and learning about something new every day. Yes, so that excites you and I guess to a certain extent, do you forecast in your own mind things that might appear in the future? Are you able to predict at all? Oh, I'm probably not a very good predictor but we do have questions, like key questions that we're still trying to answer and so we're always looking for solutions to those questions um, but I don't know that I'm good enough to predict what the answers to those questions will be. When you were going through university, did you have in your own mind that you'd like to work in sport eventually? Uh, no, <laughs> not <laughs> at all. But it's been a great change and I love it now. Yeah. Tell us about your career because it's been wide and varied, hasn't it? Yeah, so most of my uh, work career was spent with the Australian Federal Police in their forensic services uh, area um, and I worked in the chemical trace evidence lab. So we analysed paint, glass, fibres, explosive residues, chemical warfare agents, gunshot residue, um, a whole range of different types of evidence. How big a role do you play internationally, do you think, 
with Sport Integrity Australia because I would imagine that they'd be looking at what is happening in Australia but you'd be looking at what's happening elsewhere. Yeah, both ways. Australia play a really significant role in anti-doping um, and we represent on international committees at a really high rate. So um, I sit on the WADA Laboratory Expert Group, um, which is a great privilege to to contribute in that way. Um, but we're also always talking to our international partners and learning from them. Do you find that, you know, you might see something happening overseas and you think, right, we've got to watch out for that in Australia? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Always talking to our colleagues overseas to see what are they seeing um, and is that a risk for our athletes and should we be um, looking forward to prevent that? There's also times when things are quite different um, across countries. Maybe the regulation is different or the community attitude is different. So it's not always directly applicable, but we always want to know what's how, going on. How important is dried blood spot testing going forward? I think dried blood spot testing um, is going to be a real change to anti-doping. So it will enable us to take samples um, in situations where we currently can't. Um, it might enable us to take more samples than we've been able to do in the past. Um, and it's an additional tool which gives us more um, options going forward. How does it work? So dry blood spot is collecting a small amount of blood onto some kind of surface, a paper surface or another surface. Um, and it's it's used a lot in clinical testing. Um, when babies are born, they usually get a, a heel prick and their blood goes on a card. That's dry blood spot. Yep. The way that we'll be using it in, in our anti-doping program um, is that there's a small device that attaches to the arm of an athlete, it sticks on, um, and... The athlete's able to activate it themselves. It draws a small amount of blood. I've done it myself. It doesn't hurt um, and collects blood onto a little device, which we then ship to the lab. It is so much smaller um, to ship to the lab than a blood tube, so much simpler for the athlete. Um, it's a great opportunity for us. And is it easier to detect a banned drug by this method than, say, your own testing? No. So they are different and okay. complementary things okay. that we'll be using. So dry blood spot will never replace urine testing. There are advantages in urine um, that we'll never be able to do in dry blood spot, but it will enable us to do different things. And that's what we want to do, have a range of tools that we can use in the right situation. And you've also got the biological passport, haven't you, that um, is another tool that you use. Yeah, a really important tool that we use. Um, so the biological passport indirectly looks for doping. So the normal um, detection of doping that we think about is a positive test. An athlete sample had a drug in it. The athlete biological passport, we actually look at parameters in an athlete over time, things like their haemoglobin levels, so how much um, red blood cells they've got or their testosterone level, and we track what is normal for that athlete and then we can find what's abnormal for that athlete and that might tell us that the athlete is doping there might be many other reasons as well, and that's why it's a really complicated science to understand what's happening, um, but a really important tool for us and another one that's evolving. So going forward, there's actually going to be a third passport introduced. So at the moment, we've got a blood passport, which looks for blood doping, um, a steroid passport, which looks for doping with testosterone, um, and next year, we're going to introduce an endocrine passport, which will look for uh, doping with growth hormone. Oh, it, it, it's quite interesting. I, I guess that's what, what you love about it, isn't it? Just, that is what I love uh, about it. There's always something new to learn. Good on you, Naomi. Thanks very much for joining us on Onside today. My pleasure. Thanks, Tim. 
You're listening to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. This is Onside as we celebrate National Science Week. Our next guest is Sport Integrity Australia Science Officer Rima Chakrabarti. Uh, Rima, what do you enjoy most about working at Sport Integrity Australia in the science and medicine team? I really like the team itself is quite small and it's quite like family, but also we get to engage with so many different sections and really think about the way that we're talking about science in a way that applies to different sections in such a unique and different way. So I find it really makes me have to think and really know what I'm doing when I'm talking about things. So it's really interesting. And also just the team is great. You previously worked at the Australian Sports Drug Testing Lab uh, during and after your university studies. Can you tell us about that role? Uh, it was, I had never thought about an, analytical um, chemistry at all until I started doing that work and realised that it was so interesting. And in particular, that sort of unique field um, and how pervasive it is and how much it's got to do with the rest of the world. Um, and I found it really, it, it's just really interesting to be able to see that this one sample goes here and then it goes to this next spot and then it goes to another spot. And even just understanding how the instruments work and how that then relates to like a bigger organisational thing that's international and how there are these international standards and how they like are related to related to each other lab and it was just really cool just to kind of get that sort of field. <laughs> did, did you always want to work in sport and, and a sports related field? Uh, no I think when I was in school I would have probably said sport is not my thing but um, by doing that experience by having that experience and just kind of realizing how interesting it is and how much it actually does in like impact my life even if I'm not actively playing sport on a day-to-day basis just turning on the tv and seeing what's coming up it's really interesting and so then that was when I started realizing that this is this is my field (laughs) you've obviously got an analytical mind um, and it, it fits in nicely to your work your research work at Sport Integrity Australia definitely yeah it's really interesting to be able to have the understanding of what's happening before the results come to you and be able to kind of relate that those numbers to something that actually happens and the tactical process that is involved. Uh, Remy, can you tell us about uh, the biological passport? We've already heard about it with Naomi. Uh, Can you tell us about your fascination with it and, and how it works in detecting somebody who might have used banned drugs. Can you tell us about, you know, your fascination with with the biological passport? I find it really interesting. There's the direct detection and there's the indirect detection. Um, And with direct detection, it's, there is a degree of still looking into it and trying to work out what else is going on. But with indirect detection, there's also that, trying to understand a doping scenario and apply it to the results that you're getting and are there any other things that can happen? Is there a physiological cause for that? Is there potentially other substances that have been used? So like non-prohibited substances that could cause the impact on the steroid passport, for example. Um, And also is your physiology 
affecting it? Have you been doing a lot of training and that's affecting your blood passport? Um, or have you been to a specific location, which is like in, in an altitude and that's impacting on your passport as well? So it's got a lot more nuance to it, which I think is really interesting just to be able to sit down and look at a passport and try and put a lot more pieces together. Um, so that's where my fascination for the biological passport comes from. So th there are so many variables uh, mm -hmm. and so it takes a special mind to, to work out where things are situated and, and how, how it works. Is that what you like about it? Yeah, I think it's just, it's a lot more of problem solving and having to get the right sort of questions and being able to piece together a story. Um, and also just being able to engage with experts and be able to learn as new research is coming out, what else could be impacting this? Um, what else could be causing any of these sort of side effects? Yeah. So do you find it a challenge, the, the world of science and, and anti-doping? I find it a challenge, but in a really, really good way. Like it's, it tickles that little part of my brain that's just wanting to learn more. Can science make an impact, do you think, in the world of anti-doping? Obviously it already has and by the sound of it, it's, um, it's going to in the future as well. Yeah, I think it definitely can. I think it's it allows you to learn a lot more. It's also, as science is improving, it's also raising a lot, lot more questions about anti-doping and so it's it's really interesting from that perspective as well. Do you feel as though you can make a difference through your role at Sport Integrity Australia? Do you do you feel as though, oh, gee, I'm excited every day I go to work and um, I'm going to make an impact today? I mean, definitely. I think it's really interesting to be able to just see that, you know, like when we get a substance inquiry and we're able to talk to someone and explain to them these are the substances and this can potentially be an effect in your life, that's something that, is a direct impact on an athlete or an athlete's coach's life. And so it's it's really great to be able to just be able to do that as well, engage with a real person who's directly affected. I can imagine you walking through a supermarket and seeing you know, sort of the range of proteins and supplements on the shelf. Uh, I know too much about that. I'm going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've definitely had questions with some of my friends who are really into the, going to the gym and telling them about, you know, using the Sport Integrity Australia app to just double check that the product that they're about to use is maybe a little bit less terrible than the other ones. Good on you, Rima. Lovely to talk to you and well done on your role at Sport Integrity Australia. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. This is on site as we celebrate National Science Week and another very important member of the Sport Integrity Australia Science and Medical Team is Medical Advisor Dr Laura Lalanek. And Laura, firstly, why did you take up the role at Sport Integrity Australia? It's a really interesting role to me. It sort of combines my passion with sport, my background in sports medicine and really promoting fairness and equality in sport. So when I applied for the role, it was something that I thought would really um, be an area of interest to me. I love health administration and health governance as well as public health. So it's sort of combined those two things for me, the sports medicine 
clinical um, elite sport background and combining with that health governance, health promotion and educating athletes and other practitioners. Yes, that elite sport background, uh, obviously the, the head doctor at the Melbourne Football Club uh, amongst other roles. Can you tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, so I uh, trained uh, as a doctor initially in Darwin and then moved to Melbourne. Um, initially, I wasn't sure what sort of field I wanted to go into. I really enjoyed orthopaedics, but I also enjoyed working with individuals and having um, done a fair bit of sport myself, the area of sports medicine really appealed to me. So I got into sports medicine, started initially working in the VFL, so the State League, um, doing some Commonwealth Games, working with Melbourne Storm, and then as you mentioned of late, working with Melbourne Football Club, um, the 2021 Premiers. So you bring real life experience, don't you, to the role, and you're able to advise Sport Integrity Australia on what is happening within a sporting community, in an elite sporting community. That's right. really adds to my role because I have that practical on the ground experience. I understand how these uh, elite sports work and how, how the athletes work within the system um, and the, the challenges and the, and the positives in these environments for athletes and support personnel. So bringing that with my hat, uh, bringing that hat in to my role at SEA really helps me to understand what, what's needed at those, uh, you know, within elite sport, within a community sport um, what education we need to provide, what where we need to be looking at uh, our health promotion areas. And that is why Sport Integrity Australia needs a doctor such as yourself. That's right. It, yeah, look, with that um, outlook, definitely. And, and then obviously the internal, uh, like advising on medical uh, issues or medical questions internally as well. What do you find uh, most of the questions coming towards you from other doctors involved in sport what, what do they want to know about Sport Integrity Australia, about what they can do to preserve integrity in sport? Most of the questions I get are predominantly around anti-doping, um, questions about um, certain medications or certain um, requirements such as therapeutic use exemptions. That's generally the questions that come my way. But there's a lot of, a lot of interest also in the national integrity framework that's being rolled out, that national sporting organisations are taking on board and, and adjusting to, to fit their requirements. Um, so a lot of questions coming from NSOs, so national sporting organisations um, in that aspect as well on the NIF. Do you find you're getting asked a lot of questions? Um I think definitely, it's definitely increased. Um, and certainly as, as uh, my colleagues have come to know me to work in this role, they're certainly using that resource. And that that's part of this role is certainly being there for, for my colleagues and, and other allied health practitioners to provide a point at Sports Integrity Australia for these sort of questions. Does there remain a certain amount of confusion amongst players and I guess doctors and, and club medical staff about supplements and medicines, about, about what they can and can't use? I think definitely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of education and particularly a lot of education that SIA does provide, a lot of online modules um, and a lot of education that athletes do, but it's still a complex area to navigate. And I think complex for, for doctors working in the field, let alone for the athletes themselves. So it's certainly something that a lot of questions are asked about. And importantly, they are asked. You know, we always say to the athletes, it's better to be informed. But if you're unsure of the answer, ask and never assume a supplement safe to take or that medication is appropriate. And that's where the SEA app is so fantastic at providing that quick access to information. And if that's not sufficient, if the answer still isn't found there, they can certainly contact us for more information. Being involved in elite sport, what do you find is the best way to educate young athletes in particular? 
Yeah, I, I think face-to-face is often quite effective when they have someone standing in front of them. Often they feel a bit more comfortable or they're more motivated to ask questions. Otherwise, this day and age, a lot of the young athletes really are quite tech-savvy, so they're quite good at getting online, doing modules, using apps. So that's the other avenue that I think is quite an important route for education in this group. What about uh, young athletes, uh, I guess, coming through? Do you find they've all had the same amount of education when they hit an elite football club such as the Melbourne Football Club? Definitely through the academy pathways, and I think AFL's particularly good at providing this education uh, it's right from the start of their talent pathway. Um, obviously, um, other other organisations that uh, also provide that sort of education, it's just sort of dependent on the level. If they're at a level that requires them to get uh, in advance therapeutic use exemptions for medications, they're certainly provided the education around that. However, lower level um, athletes may still be uh, still you know as, uh, able to be tested, but may not have that education in advance. So that's where they need to be somewhat proactive and sporting organisations proactive in uh, sourcing the education materials to ensure that athletes are informed. Laura, what about your role in terms of therapeutic use exemptions? What do you do there? So my um, role within that is mainly around the education process. I don't myself review the uh, the use uh, applications. That's reviewed by the ASMAC Council, which is a council of uh, medical practitioners. However, I'm always available as a medical advisor for advice for athletes as well as other medical practitioners. And I would certainly encourage people to access the website's resources, SEA's website, particularly in relation to the checklist required for applications fact sheets related to WADA requirements. It's a very helpful resource and really ensures athletes and doctors when they submit their applications are submitting a thorough application that will be reviewed um, and considered uh, rather than having to be sent back for more information. In terms of therapeutic use exemptions, we are looking here at at, at drugs such as asthma medication, uh, which athletes do provide a prior clearance to to do so before they perform and before they go on the field. Correct. And and that's athletes of certain level. If you're in a national testing pool, and which athletes that are in this would be notified of that. If you're a lower tier athlete, but you can be still tested, certainly you could be asked uh, what we call a retroactive therapeutic use exemption. So asked after the fact, after the fact, after the time you were tested, sorry. And one of the, one of the grey areas, I guess, comes in community sport, doesn't it? Because they don't face the same, I guess, restrictions as elite athletes do. So there is that grey area, isn't there? Yeah, and and the crucial thing here is anyone can be tested, you know, even if you're not at that elite level or sub-elite level, uh, you have to be aware that, you know, you can be tested potentially for um, by SIA or by WADA for banned substances. And really, you know, what we do is promote that fairness in sport, but also the health side of things. You want to know what you're taking in your supplements. And that's where the SIA app is really useful to determine those subs- those supplements that are already checked for prohibited substances that may or may not be harmful to your health. So you can use that resource to make sure you're sourcing the supplements that won't affect you in an adverse way. Just on your role at the Melbourne Football Club and your experience through elite sport, you're there to, to advise not just on what medications they can take, but uh, I'd assume there's other advice that you offer athletes as well. That's right. As a sport and exercise physician, our role at these um, clubs and, and for looking after athletes is really to provide holistic care. It's looking at the acute injuries or chronic injuries they might be suffering from, looking after their, their um, wider requirements, but also looking at their mental health, their general health, their colds, their flus. It's sort of a, a holistic and 
all sort of all in approach to looking after these athletes. Almost a duty of care role, isn't it? Yes, correct. It's really important that we provide that as well. And we're not just seen as the the sort of injury keepers, gatekeepers, where we're really looking after these individuals and these people as a whole. Of course, concussion is a massive issue in AFL at the moment and one you're obviously very well aware of. Yeah, definitely. And and it's an important one that, you know, we continue to educate ourselves on and continue to get better at managing. Um, obviously, knees, you injure a knee later in life, we hate to see it, but you can certainly replace a knee. You can't replace your brain, you know, you're with your brain for life. So it's important we look after it. And it's important that we continue to do research and concussion to fully understand the consequences of concussion and particularly repeated concussions. And there's a real, obviously, priority at the moment in all contact sports and in most sports on managing concussion properly and appropriately and and putting that athlete at the front of that management. From a personal point of view, what do you like most about your roles? Um, I love the variety. I love that I I get to, you know, two or three days a week work with um, a footy team, work in the AFL, attend the games on the weekend. Two days a week I get to work uh, at SEA and I really enjoy that work. That switches on my brain. It's much more um, intellectual and policy related work. And then a day a week I get to see my everyday patients, my weekend warriors that are trying to keep fit and healthy. They're trying to get better so that they can keep running their um, kilometres on the weekend, they can cut swimming. Um, so it's a really nice mix of elite, of recreational athletes, as well as some policy and uh, uh, policy and government work. Laura, thanks very much for joining us on Onside today. Thank you. And now for our segment from Left Field, where we answer a question from the public. Hi, I'm Hayley. I'm an education presenter with Sport Integrity Australia. Today's left of field question is, what is a therapeutic use exemption? A therapeutic use exemption is an exemption for an athlete to use a prohibited substance or method for a legitimate medical purpose. For example, somebody with diabetes would need to use insulin for medical purposes. If an athlete or support person has questions about the status of a medication or substance, they should check it on Global Dro. Thanks for listening to Onside as we celebrate National Science Week in particular the remarkable role played by Sport Integrity Australia's science and medical team. I'm Tim Gavel, back with another episode shortly. You've been listening to Onside, the official podcast of Sport Integrity Australia. Send in your podcast questions or suggestions to media at sportintegrity.gov.au. For more information on Sport Integrity Australia, please visit our website, www.sportintegrity.gov.au or check out our Clean Sport app.